Flash of your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. It is the first show of the new year. It is year five of the mashup, and I can't freaking believe I'm saying that, that I have I am now going into my fifth year of of doing this ridiculous show on my own. And if you count if you count that first year, which wasn't really a full year, it was it was only about seven months. Because uh, I did not have my own equipment at the time, and it was a very different show, because I couldn't swear. Because it was uh, over traditional radio, and uh, even if you were allowed to swear on traditional radio, it was a traditional radio station owned by Liberty University. So, uh, yeah, um, would have would have been no swearing going on. I, th I think I said bastards one time, and I was... Referring to the more traditional use of that word that is technically okay to say on the radio. Because I I said, I remember my quote, I said, uh, if you want to reenact the Battle of the Bastards on, on Ice, just go right ahead. I love it. And that, I was obviously referring to the Vegas Golden Knights and their ridiculously over-the-top pregame show. Because it was uh, their first year of existence, and they were just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. But uh, this this opening segment is uh, is not about hockey. I have some hockey opinions, uh, specifically about the Flyers, that I will tack on at the end of the show, because uh, they will they will distract from the larger point of the fact that uh, Michigan are the national champions. And they got to be the talk of the college football world for about a day. Like, they won on Monday night. They had all day Tuesday to be like, hey, we're the national champions. And then Wednesday afternoon, just bam, Nick Saban's retired. He is stepping down as the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide after an absolutely insane career both with Bama and LSU, because people forget about his LSU run. I certainly do sometimes. Because uh, before him, Bama wasn't all that good. And now they are. And they've nearly doubled their enrollment size. And uh, can be a lot more uh, discerning when it comes to who they let in and who they don't, because they have a lot more applicants. So it raised their athletic profile, raised their academic profile, like just absolutely insane accomplishment. And you could tell people knew because ESPN did not release that video. Because let me check the let me check the, the date on uh on this on this video just to be sure. Because I think Yeah. ESPN didn't release that video until after the announcement of the handshake moment from with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban from right before the SEC championship game, they both knew that is not a conversation between two guys who don't know that one of them is retiring. That is a conversation between two guys who both know one of them is about to retire. Like, Kirby Smart obviously knew. Because him and Saban wouldn't talk like that if he didn't know. 
And obviously Saban knew. Like, Saban had obviously made the decision. And people on Twitter were correct in saying he has been smiling way too much this year. We should have known then. Which is hilarious, but it's also true. When have we seen Saban smile this much? Ever. Like, in his entire career. <laughs> when have we ever seen Saban smile like that? Exactly. Never. But, uh, overall, I, going way back here, go, going back a whole week, I think, uh, both semifinal games were incredible. Just two very good games to send the, the four-team era of the CFP off into the sunset. And even though it felt like Michigan was pretty dominant, like, Washington put up a fight until the very end, until Michigan scored to go up go up three possessions and uh, Penix fucked up his ribs. Like, I don't know what Kalen DeBoer was doing, leaving Penix out there in a game that was basically over when he was clearly in a lot of pain. And he didn't have his best stuff. And when you don't have your best stuff, you're not going to beat Michigan. So, uh, congrats to the Wolverines. I feel like I might be the only podcast that is recording on Thursday afternoon that will still say that. Because everyone is going to be talking about the fact that, that Saban retired and who his replacement's going to be. Honestly, I would have to, I would have to say it's between Mike Norvell and Dabo Sweeney because I don't think Franklin, one, James, <laughs> James Franklin would get eaten alive in Tuscaloosa, Alabama because I'm convinced he's not all that good of a coach. He just gets more credit because he's the coach of the third best team in the Big Ten. Which, if Dan Lanning and Caleb DeBoer both don't leave their current jobs, he will not be the third best coach in the Big Ten anymore. Like, he will no longer be the coach of the third best team in the Big Ten. That would that title would probably go to, jeez, Dan Lanning? Michigan, Washington, Oregon? And... I mean, Penix is going to the draft, so, like, Penix is out of eligibility. So, unless Washington, like, really reloads, they might be the third best team in the Big Ten next year, and Oregon will be number two. Because, like, sure, they're losing Bo Nix, but they got Dylan freaking Gabriel coming in. So, I don't think... If Dan Lanning had any inclination to leave Oregon, he wouldn't have been able to get Dylan Gabriel there. Like, there's there's no shot. And for everyone else other than... Well, actually, no, if, if Dan Lanning leaves, the portal would reopen for Oregon players for, for 30 days. Because that's what just happened at Bama. But I... He's come out and said, he said on the Pat McAfee show earlier, that he is he is staying in, in Eugene. His wife and kids like it there too much. He also has a $20 million buyout. Which is a little rich, even for Bama. And divorce is no is no amount to sneeze at either. Divorce is 
eight figures lower, it is still ten. It is still twelve million dollars. Like it is a full eight figures lower. It's still an eight figure buyout. I think. Uh, I think Norvell's is four at the moment. Is four million, which again, still a stupid amount of money. But when you're dealing with college athletic departments in the SEC, especially the good ones. $4 million is is nothing to them to, to get a good coach. And I would assume whoever it is, because they pulled they pulled it from the books already. Like the books of the sports books have already dropped taking new bets on who the who the next guy is gonna be, which means Bama has their new coach. We just don't know who it is yet. I mean I could Part of me thinks it might be Lane Kiffin, but I don't think so because he just had an insane offseason of recruiting through the portal and got a bunch of guys to come to Ole Miss. He's not going to immediately flip and go to Bama. And, like, he doesn't want to go... He doesn't seem like the type that would want to be in Saban's shadow like that. Like, when he tweets from his dog's account, he his... his dog air quotes we, we know it's him running the account but his dog calls nick saban grandpa so like i i don't think he wants to completely be in saban's shadow like that like he will always be linked to saban because saban saved his career but i think he wants to build his own thing in oxford i i really do like, I thought if, if Saban retired last year, Lane Kiffin might have might have taken that job. But if But as it stands right now, I think he's staying in Oxford, and I think he's staying in Oxford for the long haul. Because he's he's like really building something there. And I, I think that's that's where he wants to stay. If if I had to put money on it. I would I would split it and hedge. I would I would put money on Norvell and I'd put money on Sweeney. Because they're the you know, the ACC is a clusterfuck that's in the process of collapsing in on itself. Because FSU wants to leave. The SEC wants like half the Carolina schools and Virginia, which as a is annoying because they don't want tech. And I don't think UVA would would leave without Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's it's just a mess right now. College football is just an absolute fucking mess right now. And I think we'll know who the new coach is at Bama before the end of the weekend. I think I think we will know. Yeah, not maybe not. Well, it's a holiday weekend, so Monday still counts. I I think by Monday afternoon, we will know because because Monday is next Monday is MLK Day, right? Yeah, next 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 Monday is MLK Day, so this is technically a holiday weekend. So I can say by the end of the weekend, and that includes Monday, we will know who the next coach is. I, I think. 
I, I say we know Monday afternoon. Like, Monday afternoon. I, because Bama does not want this to be a Friday afternoon news dump where they dump it at 5 in the... They, they do it at, like, 4 in the afternoon on a Friday when, like, no one's really paying attention to anything. No, this is... They're going to make this a big deal. I, I think this comes out Monday afternoon. Because people are going to be off work. People are... Like, kids aren't going to be in school. I I think... I think on Monday they uh, they announce who the new coach is because I'm because according to a lot of reports I've seen they already have them they already know who it is they're just they just haven't announced it yet so yeah I think I think by by four thirty Eastern time on Monday we we know who the next guy is but uh, as far as it feels weird to do a uh, a full postmortem of of my team season now that I've had a week and a half since the season ended. But uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it in here because it's my show and I can do whatever the hell I want. I am like I I know we didn't like the way it ended. We got we kind of got rocked by Oregon, but if you ask me. Oregon was a playoff caliber team this year. They they really were. Or Oregon was a playoff caliber team. If they are literally two missed field goals in their regular season game against Washington and their the Pac-12 championship game against Washington. In those two games, if just a if like three plays per game go differently, Oregon's in the playoff. And Washington is in the Fiesta. Now, Washington still... Like, in that alternate timeline where Washington makes the Fiesta Bowl, Washington still shit pumps Liberty. Unless, like, Penix and Roma Dunze and Polk and, like, most of their guys opt out like the Oregon players didn't. Like, if, if Washington won the regular season game, th- this is more likely. If Washington wins that regular season meeting and loses the Pac-12 title, and then as Pac-12, as one lost Pac-12 champion over one lost Pac-12 runner-up Washington, Oregon goes to the playoff, I think a lot of, a lot of Washington guys op- opt out. But even then, they probably don't, and they probably still shit-pump Liberty in the fast. In that alternate timeline... Nothing changes. <laughs> Liberty still loses the Fiesta Bowl by a lot. Unless the committee really shakes it up and the Pac-12 runner-up plays Georgia and then Liberty plays Florida State. That that I could see a scenario where things are completely different. But hypotheticals aside, 13-1, and conference championship, first year in an FBS conference. Going to the Fiesta Bowl when, you know, my freshman year, less than a decade ago, because this happened in 2015, I could say less than a decade, to make myself feel a little bit less old, uh, we were excited about tying for the Big South regular season title and going to the FCS playoffs. 
where that game was on ESPN3, which still existed at the time. That game was on ESPN3 with terrible commentary at JMU. They just barely won. And then they went and uh, got rocked by Villanova, despite Liberty fans absolutely dominating the stadium because the weather was absolutely awful that day. And everyone was at the, and all the Nova fans were at the, were inside the, uh, inside the pavilion where it was warm and dry and they were playing a big five rival. They were, they were playing St. Joe's that day. I don't know how I still remember this game that happened in January of 2015, but, uh, like that was a big deal. And that team was. That that team was like nine and three. They let's, let's see. What was what was this team's actual record? Twenty fourteen Flames football. Twenty fourteen Liberty Flames football team. Yeah, they were nine and five. They were nine and five, four and one in the Big South. Uh, they received the Big South's auto bid because they had the tiebreaker over over Coastal, and then uh, beat JMU, and then lost to Nova in front of a crowd of 3,000. The the smallest crowd they played in front of all year. <laughs> or no, the, the crowd at Presbyterian was smaller. But just barely. It was, it was just under 500 less people. Good God, this is this this season is weird to look at because there's a there's there's a there's a non D one here. First home first home team is against a non D one. The Bryant Bulldogs. (laughs) Oh my God, the Bryant Bulldogs. Indiana State Sycamores. Number 20, Richmond. Oh my god, I remember that game. That game was nuts. App State, that was a wild one. Oh my god, this is this is taking me back. Okay. But, like, I, for most of those games, were absolutely insane to me in 2014. Now, I had to look back at the schedule to remember that. Because the things that have happened since, like, the, the win against Montana a year later was bigger than anything that happened in 2014. Uh, the win against Baylor two years after that was bigger than anything that happened in 2014 or 2015. Moving to FBS the, the following semester, just a few months later, like, officially announcing that move. Or no, that did happen in 2017. Then it was the Baylor win, which, like, cemented, like, okay, we can hang. The first FBS season, then going to a bowl game first year, winning. Winning three bowl games in a row. First team to ever do that. One of them against Coastal. Which, again, batshit insane. To, uh, to 2014 me, that... Liberty played Coastal in their second bowl game ever 
and beat them again on a blocked field goal. Like, and now, in, in 2024, 2023, 2023, in 2023, they went 13-0, played in a bowl game on New Year's Day, and had a lead for an entire quarter. Like, yeah, it was 6-3 to three at the end of the first, but Liberty was still in the lead. Sure, they didn't score for the rest of the game after that first touchdown, but they led for an entire quarter against Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks. That's not easy to do. And to all the haters out there, the SMU fans who think, oh, we should have been in that game. Guys, you got your shit rocked by a 6-6 six and six Boston College team. JMU, uh, you got into a bowl game on a technicality after bitching all year about not getting your way, and then your coach left. So um, you would have you gotten your – and all your players were in the portal, so you uh, would have gotten your shit rocked too. Um, who else? Uh, Tulane, uh, you guys didn't even win your conference and uh, looked pretty, pretty shitty while getting there. Um, Troy, you were only Sunbelt champion on a technicality. Like, if JMU was eligible for the Sunbelt Championship, they would have won it. Uh, Toledo. The MAC was terrible this year. Air Force. Like, yeah, they won the Mountain West, but Mountain West wasn't that good either. Air Force had three losses. So, to all the haters, um... I don't give a shit what you say. Liberty belonged. The G5 was down this year. Who who the hell else would you have put there? And um, if if the committee flips that around and uh, honestly does the intelligent thing to get two good bowl gate, to get two much better New Year's Six games, they have Liberty play Florida State and Georgia play Oregon. Because that's... That's the two one-loss conference runner-ups against the two undefeated who didn't make the playoff. Like, those are two much better storylines than Florida State losing by 60 to Georgia and and Liberty losing to uh, Oregon by 39. So, yeah, um, we'll be back next year. To, uh, to all you haters, because uh, call me crazy, but I, I know I know C.J. Daniels went in the portal. It, it's been a week, and he hasn't committed yet. If Salter came home, you can't break up the elite. I, I, think, I think Daniels is coming back home. Everyone else wants to run it back. Caden Salter, Brylin Green, Bentley Hanshaw, Quentin Cooley. All the the entire offensive line, except the two who are out of eligibility, and uh, to those guys specifically, Xavier Godwin. Uh, good luck in the NFL. Uh, Flames Nation appreciates you for everything you did, and uh, when your long and successful NFL career is over, come back, please come back home and join the game day team, because like you are really good at that. <laughs> Man has some good ideas when it comes to game day traditions. And game day ops team, just call him up anyway and like pay him a consulting fee or something during his NFL career. 
I don't care how you do it. Just pay this man for his ideas and implement them. Because they're really good. Because, like, if if football wasn't going to work out like I think it did, he would have a great career in the WWE as well. <laughs> or in AEW, where, wherever he wanted to go. Because he's, he's got that personality. And I think... Uh, but Flames Nation appreciates appreciates him for everything he did. And I, I hate that he's leaving. But he's going to have a very successful NFL career. I'm more than sure of that. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next year. We're going to win CUSA again. Because like, sure, CUSA is going to be better this year. But Liberty will still be better than all of them. But that's what I got for uh, college football. Up next, we're going to switch it up because the NFL playoffs are this weekend. And uh, we got some stuff to talk about. It's coming up next here on The Mashup. Hey, do you really like The Mashup and want to help support it even more? Of course I do. You're so awesome. Well, do I have good news for you? I now have a Barstool Sports Store affiliate link. Oh, what the heck is that? An affiliate link is a link that takes you directly to the Barstool store, but has some extra coding in it to let them know that I sent you, so I get some of the money from the sale in return. That's so cool! Yes, it is, and it helps me put out better and better content for you. And maybe does enough to get Barstool's attention that they'll give me a job. All you have to do is go to barstool-sports.pxf.io slash the mashup. That's Barstool Sports dot pxf dot io slash the mashup and get some merch doesn't matter what you get you'll be supporting me and the mashup and you get a cool t-shirt hoodie flag or whatever else you want in return so go to barstool sports dot pxf dot io slash the mashup today and help me grow this podcast even more all right, we're going to keep it rolling with some more football with the NFL. And the regular season has come to a close. The uh, the playoff matchups are set. And uh, I think I think we're in for uh, an interesting interesting ride this weekend. Specifically um the last two AFC games because um, the weather's not looking too good in either of those cities. But uh, before we get into that, there is uh, there is another thing that happened because of course it did because of course, Bill Belichick had to retire within 24 hours of Nick Saban. Because they are the same person. I have been saying that for years now, that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are two copies of the same person. And after an even longer career with the Patriots than Saban had with Bama, and, uh, just as many championships. Actually, no, Saban technically has more. Because Saban has the Saban has the one from LSU that gives him seven. And Belichick has six. 
because Brady's seventh was not with Belichick. But uh, I, I think it's also time for Bill to retire. Like he he cannot relate to modern players anymore, and uh, I I like him a whole lot less than I like Saban. So because um, you know coach of an actual direct rival who, uh, you know, bitched about losing by a field goal when when the Ravens should have won that game by at least 10 for a year after the fact. You know, just not not as much respect for Belichick as I have for Saban. But I, I do have to acknowledge how good of a career he has had and enjoyed the fact that his last few years have not been up to his standards at all. But as far as the actual wildcard games go this weekend, I I think it's certainly going to be interesting because it is going to be cold as fuck and snowy in, in Kansas City, and I don't think Buffalo is going to be much better. Let me check. Buffalo, New York. It's it's pretty high on Google. Buffalo, New York weather. Uh yeah, Saturday. It's it's not gonna be as cold, but there is a 40% chance of snow. Yeah, there's there's a 40% chance of snow, and it's gonna be 36 degrees. Uh let's let's just uh, let's just see. Let's see the let's see the full let's see the full breakdown. On uh, on Weather Channel, does does Weather Channel have the full hour by hour temperature breakdown? Uh, they do not, but they do have <laughs> they do have a higher chance of snow on uh, on the Weather Channel version. It's pushing seventy percent. Uh, very windy. Wind winds out of the southwest at thirty miles an hour. Uh. Sunset's at 7.49. The game's at 1, so that's good. The The sun will still be out. Um, yeah, giant, giant air quotes. Uh, about <laughs> chance of snow, 70%. About one inch of snow expected. Uh, winds could occasionally gust over 50 miles an hour. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so have fun with that. Oh wait, their game's their game's Sunday. Uh, it's going to be even colder on Sunday. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, it's going to be twenty six degrees on Sunday. The the snow is going to be ending, but they're expecting accumulation accumulation up to three inches on Saturday night, which uh, doesn't seem like a lot. Buffalo has definitely gotten worse during football season, but. Uh, yeah, chances chance it's not going to be as windy. Uh, winds at twenty to thirty miles. Nothing, nothing about gusting all that fast. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be fun in in Buffalo this this weekend. Uh, let's see what's what's Kansas City looking like? Because I know Kansas City was uh, looking not great. So let's let's see Kansas City, Missouri. On uh, on Saturday, oh dear Lord! <laughs> okay, it's not supposed to snow, but my God, uh, 
Let's see. Sunset is at 517. So, um, yeah, the sun will be down for, for three hours come kickoff. And, uh, the projected temperature is negative seven. <laughs> oh my God. If there is, if there is a team in the NFL that is not built for weather like that, I mean, it's most of the modern teams in the NFL because everyone's built around passing now, but it is certainly the Miami Dolphins and their Hawaiian quarterback are are not meant for for seven degree for negative seven degree temperatures at kickoff. <laughs> oh good God. <laughs> that is going to be absolutely miserable. Particularly for the Dolphins. So as much as I would rather them win, because people know how I feel about the Chiefs, they're not going to. The Dolphins are not built to play in weather like that. I mean, the Chiefs aren't either, so maybe, but the the Dolphins' offense is a little more reliant on their pass game, and they're also injured to hell and back. So uh, I, I think the Chiefs are going to take this one uh, I think, I think the Browns will, uh, will take, will take their matchup. And I think, I think the Bills will take theirs because, uh, the Steelers do not belong in the playoffs. Like their starters couldn't beat, uh, the Ravens backups or they did, but barely took a, took a fourth quarter miracle for uh for them to just barely beat the Ravens uh who again did not have Lamar Jackson or most of the offensive core and they only won by 7 so uh yeah um don't have much faith in the Steelers doing anything against the Bills it's it's by far the biggest line of the entire weekend it's the only one in double digits like Browns are two the Browns are two point favorites over the Texans. The Cowboys are touchdown favorites over the Packers, which I I, I think that is that is the correct call. I think that'll be about a touchdown game. The Bills are ten point favorites over the Steelers, and I think even that is being generous to the Steelers. The the Bills win this game by twenty. Because it's not going to be as cold as I thought it was going to be. And the Bills can handle that kind of weather because they live in Buffalo. So yeah, I think I think that's what's going to happen. I think, unfortunately, the Browns are going to win because, you know, not really a fan of uh, what, what Steve Flacco, Joe's father, had to say about the atmosphere in Cleveland this week, you fucking traitor. And, um... Yeah, I, as much as I love Joe Flacco, I don't want him to take the Browns on a miracle run. Because again, they're the Cleveland fucking Browns. I want to be able to continue to make fun of them. Uh, as far as the 
NFC goes. Jeez. Um, I don't know why the Eagles are favored. They have, the wheels have completely fallen off the, uh, the green and white rat wagon of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I think the NFC is is uh I think the NFC is pretty chalk. I think most of the wildcard games are pretty chalk because the Dolphins would be better were they not, you know, injured to hell and back and have to play in those god awful conditions in Kansas City this weekend. If if they had won the division, maybe. Uh, it sucks that they have to be the wild card because they are, record-wise, the Dolphins are actually the, the third best team in the AFC. Like, oh, they're in a, they're in a three-way tie for second best team in the AFC. Or no, they're in a multi-way tie. The Ravens are 13 and 4. The Bills, the Dolphins, the Browns, and the Chiefs are all 11 and 6. They are in a four-way tie for second best record in the NFC. That is insane. So yeah, um the fact that they have to go on the road and play the Chiefs sucks. And and yet the Texans get a home game. The, the what were they? Ten and seven. The ten and seven winner of the worst division in football. Actually, technically the AFC West was worse. That's weird. I'm so used to the AFC South being terrible. It's usually the AFC South and the NFC East are the. Uh, are the two are the two worst? But uh, this year that was not the case. It was uh, it's probably it, it was the NFC South. The NFC South was was shit. <laughs> the the NFC South was absolute shit. And uh, the the uh, but at least they the Bucks do have a better record than the Eagles. So the Eagles playing on the road in Tampa makes a little bit more sense than uh, the the Browns having to go on the road and play the Texans. I like the Dolphins are better than the Texans. The Dolphins and the Browns are both better than the Texans. The, the way the NFL playoff structure works is so weird. But yeah, I think, I think unfortunately we're getting a lot of chalk this playoff. Like I think I think the Bills beat the Steelers. I think the Chiefs beat the Dolphins. I do think the Browns beat the Texans because the Texans are just are just not quite there yet. They finally cover, recovered from the disaster Bill O'Brien turned them into by uh, by trading D Hop and then comparing him to Aaron Hernandez on his way out the door. Which what DeAndre Hopkins is not Aaron Hernandez. That is a terrible comparison. Like. He's a better wide receiver than Aaron Hernandez, and he hasn't killed people. And yeah, same thing in the NFC. I think uh, 
I think the Rams can beat the Lions. That's going to be an interesting storyline. That's uh, that's going to be a very interesting storyline. Um, because uh, Jared Goff is going back to Detroit. Eagles Bucks. I have no idea what's going to come of that game because you don't know what Eagles are going to show up. Is it going to be the Eagles from the beginning of the season? When, you know, they were actually good and looked like the team that made the Super Bowl a year ago? Or is it going to be the team that came after the loss to the Niners? Where they rattled off three straight losses against teams they, in reality, probably should have beaten. Including the Cardinals, and then another loss to the Giants. But, like, what, what team is it going to be? Is it going to be the team... Actually, they kind of squeaked by. If you go back and look, three-point win over the Commanders, nine-point win over the, the Rams, six-point loss to the Jets. They beat the Dolphins by 14, which is pretty good. Uh, seven-point win over the Commanders, five-point win over the Cowboys, who are actually good. Uh, four-point win over the Chiefs, three-point win over the Bills. They had a tough schedule. Blown the fuck out by the Niners in the beginning of December. Blown the fuck out again by the Cowboys a week later. Uh, lose by three to the Seahawks, which, inexcusable. Uh, beat the Giants by eight. Lose to the Cardinals by four. Lose, lose to the Giants by 17. I don't think they're beating the Bucks. Unless it unless they randomly turn into last year's Eagles, who can actually win games they should win, I I don't think they beat the Bucks on uh, on Monday night. Uh, the Packers are are not ready yet. Like, definitively. Packers are, are not ready yet. They'll be good because, you know, this is the, the fourth quarterback they found that's, that has an identical throwing motion to Brett Favre. Because the guy before Favre played just like him. Favre took over, had a long-ass career with the Packers. Then Rodgers took over, was almost identical to Favre, had a long-ass career with the Packers. Then Jordan Love took over, is almost identical to Rodgers, and will probably have a long-ass career with the Packers. But they're, they're not ready yet. This, this Cowboys team is better than them. I think they'll win. I, don't, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll probably be the best game of the wildcard weekend just because I think honestly they're the most evenly matched out of like good teams because I don't think the the Browns and the Texans are all that good like yeah the Browns finished second in the AFC North which is impressive but someone had to finish second in that division and it seemed like the other three teams were uh, were trying to give it up to each other. But uh, at least the Karen Cats didn't make the playoffs. And, uh, oh yeah, it's, uh, it, it's time for my, uh, it's time for my long-awaited celebration. To the fans of the Karen Cats. The only reason... It's called the Midwest is because everything in it is mid.
Skyline Chili, mid. Your Cincinnati Bengals, who have won a Super Bowl, never, mid. And your annoying-ass fans, who let one win, who let a couple wins against a battered and bruised Lamarless Baltimore Ravens go to their heads and think you were better, all of you are so aggressively fucking mid. You talk shit like middle schoolers. And you resort to ad hominem attacks like I've never seen a fan base do. And uh, for since most of you probably don't know what that means, ad hominem means to the man, essentially. Like, personal attacks. And when you do that, I know I've won. Because it's all you've got in your arsenal. So I am glad your team absolutely sucked this year and will probably continue to suck because until proven otherwise, you are the Cincinnati Bungles, the Karen Cats. And the Browns made the playoffs this year and you didn't. So right now, you're the worst team in the AFC North. Now kneel before your king. And shut the fuck up. Oh my god, I've been waiting a season to dunk on the Bengals like that. And it felt so good. It felt so good. I have had so many negative interactions with Bengals fans over the last year. And being able to, to get that off my chest after they had their worst year in the Joe Burrow era is just, is just glorious. But that's what I got for the NFL. Up next, we're going to switch gears because uh, Call of Duty League is back this weekend. And I don't know what the hell is going on. So uh, we're going to talk about all that coming up next here on The Mashup. Okay, welcome back to The Mashup. Let's let's talk some COD League. Uh, what the hell is going on? Like, seriously, what what the hell? is is going on with this league right now. I know the season just started. Like, we have played, what, a single weekend worth of matches? Where the hell are they? They're all the ones that have already happened. Um, oh, that's the entire season. Uh, scroll back. Uh, Boston Breach Major 1. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, we've... Oh, no, we played two weeks. So, two two weeks worth of season, and I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, Miami are undefeated. Can't say I expected that. I mean, they've had an incredibly easy schedule to start the season with. Uh, Vegas. Wait, no, that's, that's Carolina. But yeah, they also, no, they started with Carolina. That's not much better. Carolina, they 3-0'd them. Uh, Vegas, they beat them 3-1. And they, uh, who else did they beat? They beat, uh, wait, they're 3-0. Who's their other win? They beat Carolina. They beat Vegas. And they beat Minnesota. There they are. They beat Minnesota. 
So yeah, that's that's three not great teams, but hey, they're three and zero, and technically ahead of Phase in the standings. Because I think uh, I think Phase has dropped more maps than they have. Yeah, because Phase dropped two to Boston. They didn't drop any to Thieves. Uh, they dropped one to Seattle. And where's their other game? Can't find their other game. That's annoying. Did they even play another one? Oh, they then they three out breach. Oh, wait, that's thieves. God dang, this is a hard scoreboard to read. Oh, they beat Seattle. Okay, so yeah, they they dropped one more map than uh, Miami has. So they have. So they are technically the second seed, heading into the Boston Major right now. Which again, is absolutely insane. And they're they're ahead of they're ahead of NYSL because they have because NYSL is nine and four. They have they have lost four maps as opposed to as opposed to three. Meanwhile, Optic over here is eleven and five because they've played one more game than everybody else. Because of course they have. Yes, this will be this will continue to be a I dunk on Optic podcast. I after dealing with their Halo fans for an entire HCS season, when I actually had a team I was actively rooting for, because I was just kind of first season of HCS, I didn't have a team. And and then I when SSG picked up the former C9 roster, I was like, okay, I like these guys. Cause uh, I like SSG a lot better than I like C9. So I'm gonna pull for them. But this is not about the HCS, because they haven't announced their schedule yet, which they better get on that. January's almost over. But, uh, yeah, I have no idea what's going on this season. Like, Thieves are in the bottom three. Breach are top eight. Gorillas are top eight. Which, again, how? Like, I don't, I don't get that one. At all. Like, they're top eight by default because a lot of teams have been pretty terrible to start off the season. Looking at you, Minnesota. Sitting sitting down there at 0-3 with a 4-9 map count. So, yeah, I have no idea what, what the heck is going on this season, but uh, I think... I think when... I'm hoping when it gets to LAN, it evens itself out a little bit more. But uh, I'm not holding out hope. Because this is another weird Call of Duty game. It's made by Sledge. The last Sledge game was A, not very good, and B, the pro scene was absolutely batshit crazy. Because, you know... No team won a major twice. I actually think that happened again last year. Where where no team won a major twice. I mean, there were only four of them last year, but uh as opposed to as opposed to five in Vanguard. But even then, there were five in Vanguard, and nobody won twice. But the same team went to four of the five finals and lost all of them. And they went to champs finals. 
and lost. That was the that was the dunk on phase season, and that was incredible. Uh, I think I honestly think NYSL phase and Ultra are still the three best teams in the league. Uh, even though FaZe has zero leadership. So if if anyone ends up like shaking their mental on LAN at all, they're going to fall apart. Because it happened in Vanguard, and they did have a leader then. And then they dropped him, and they haven't been as good since. That, uh... Yeah, the Vanguard season was... Vanguard season was just so weird. Vanguard season was so, so freaking weird. I enjoyed the hell out of it, but, uh, yeah, the, the Vanguard season was, was weird. I, I expect this season to be really freaking weird, too. Just, just putting that out there, that's what I think is gonna happen. Because looking at the teams we the teams as they are currently constructed and based on their performances so far, this season's going to be psychotic. But uh, another thing I want to uh, start doing this year, because I found out I can do this, I can legally bet on esports in Maryland. Didn't think that was possible. So I have, I have some CDL picks for this weekend. So... First three, I have the individual odds, and then I I have three, and then I have two that are parlayed. But I have the uh, the individual odds that I got uh, written down as well. So um, here's my picks for this weekend. So um, I believe these are all Friday games. So if uh, you're listening to this show on the day it comes out, get these in quick because... Uh, those games are going to start in a few hours. So uh, let's let's take a cuz I'm pretty sure yeah all those are all those are Friday. Um Phase versus LAG. Yeah, these are these are all Friday games. Phase cuz it's it's Phase LAG, Ultra and Surge and NYSL Rocker. These are all yeah, these are the first these are the only three Friday games. So, uh, phase minus the points, it's minus 2.5. That's plus 130. If you take that individually, that's still a pretty good deal. That's still really good value for a game that will more than likely end in a sweep. Because despite being top eight right now, LAG are not that good. Uh, Ultra minus 1.5 against Surge. Uh, Surge, my, that's that's plus 105 if you get that one on its own as well. Again, really good value on a uh, on a pick that's that, in my opinion, is kind of a lock. Uh, NYSL versus Rocker, honestly, minus 1.5 versus Rocker. Honestly, this is minus 135. Don't take this one on its own. Just don't. Like... Don't take this one on its own. It's it's basically a lock to hit, but you get no value out of that line. You get no value out of minus 135. Unless you put it in a parlay with these other two picks that uh, bumps the total odds up to plus 720. 
So those three picks that I think are all pretty pretty much locks. If you parlay them, you get plus seven twenty. That's that's pretty good. Uh, and then the the other two games that I also parlayed together. Uh, this one is this one. Do not take this one on its own. For the love of God, because it's terrible value. It's minus two fifteen. Optic uh, minus the maps, which is one point five against Legion. That is an absolute lock because of that value. <laughs> but because of that value, do not take it on its own. Parlay it with something else, please. I am like, even if you don't take all my picks and you take that one because it is such a lock, parlay it with something else so you can get some decent value out of it. Please, I beg you. And I took uh I took a flyer here, Miami Moneyline versus Seattle. It's plus 130. Uh, that's, I, I think, I think plus 130 is about the best value you're going to get from a single bet in the CDL. Unless it's like, unless it's like a really, unless it's like Moneyline LAG versus FaZe. But, uh, don't, don't ever, don't ever do that. Literally don't, don't ever ever take LAG Moneyline versus FaZe. Because I'm pretty sure it's it's an enticing number. It it is. It's it's an enticing number. Let me let me check it. Yeah, it's plus 550. That number is enticing. Please, for your own sanity, do not bet any money on that. Like unless you can really afford to take a hit and you bet it straight on its own with nothing else. Like, if you are crazy enough to bet Gorilla's straight money line against FaZe, please make it a single bet. I know it is tempting to parlay it with something else. But please, for your own sanity, don't do that. And don't bet more than 20 bucks on it. Because LAG are not winning that match. And if they do, I will eat my words. And if you do take that plus 550 money line and win that, please tweet me the ticket because I want to shake your hand for being brave enough to bet something that on paper stupid. So yeah, uh, that that's one of my picks for this weekend. I, I think FaZe are going to absolutely rock. LAG. And uh, that line has actually moved down. It's minus 120 now. I got it at 130. Um, Toronto's still... Uh, Toronto minus the points is still plus 105, and uh, New York minus the points has moved down to minus 170. Ugh. So yeah, definitely don't take that one on its own now. It's minus 170. That's, that's really... Definitely don't take that one on its own. And nothing, nothing from Sunday was doing it for me. Because <laughs> it's it's a lot of bad matchups on Sunday. <laughs> like, literally, literally nothing on Sunday was doing it for me. But, uh, yeah, if, if you guys like the uh, the CDL gambling thing, let me know. I, I want to keep doing uh, more, more gambling content. I might, 
because I know I know watch partying with the CDL is is a little a little wonky, but honestly, I think if as long as I don't have as long as I don't have the stream up, I think I'll be okay. So I might, I might do some, uh, some watch alongs for, for my CDL bets, maybe. But then again, like, I also want to watch basketball this weekend. So I might be, uh, I might be dual screening, but, uh, yeah, let, let me know if you, uh, if you want me to start doing like, uh, wish.com gambling street cave streams for, for my CBL bets, I might, uh, reach out to some friends and see if, uh, see if they'll do them with me, even if they, even if they don't actually, even if they don't actually bet on the games. But, uh, yeah, that's what I got for the CDL this week. Uh, if you, if you take my bets, even people who don't watch the CDL at all, like, those bets are out there for you because I know I have uh, an audience of of Liberty fans who are surprisingly degenerate gamblers. Um, if you if you want those picks, go ahead and take them. If if esports betting is is legal in your state, they are they're on my Twitter as well. I'll I'll uh, retweet them uh, Friday morning so everyone can. Uh... I'll actually I'll actually link them in the uh, in the, I'll link to the I'll link to the tweet in the that has my uh, CDL picks in the, uh, in the show description. But um, yeah, take my picks, use them, don't use them. That is up to you. But uh, up next, long show this week. This is what happens when you don't record for a month. Uh, we got some college basketball to talk about. That's coming up next here on the mashup. This is March. John Rothstein himself has spoken. I know it's only January, which again is a John Rothstein quote. But uh, yeah, you can feel the march in the air. <laughs> because in the last week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine ranked teams have all lost. I think Clemson was playing a ranked team, so cut them a break. Yeah, they were playing a a ranked North Carolina team. So uh, them losing, you know, can't can't really say. Oh yeah, wait, did they lose his number twenty one? Oh, they lost his number twenty one. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's now uh that's now back-to-back losses for Clemson and Marquette. So that's uh that's not a great look. Uh which not a not a great look for uh for Shaka Smart and the Golden Eagles. I think he's much better off at Marquette than he was at Texas, but uh he has the man has a target on his back and the Big East is coming for him cuz right now Marquette are the best team in the Big East. <laughs> or, I mean, UConn are. But, for, I completely forgot UConn were in the Big East. <laughs> yeah, they're 14-2. They're the best team in the Big East. I, I completely forgot they had uh, had rejoined the conference they belong in. 
and uh, never should have left. They they should have been with this version of the Big East from the beginning because again they are UConn. They are not a football school. They should not go at the whims of their football team. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, start to what I consider college basketball's uh, time in the spotlight. Their time in the spotlight doesn't really start for another couple of weeks because uh, let's let's count that out because uh, wildcard is this weekend. Wildcard is this weekend on the on the 13th through the 15th. Uh, divisional will be next weekend, the 20th and the 21st. Conference championship weekend will be the, the 28th. And then the Super Bowl is on the 11th. So come February 12th is like really college basketball's time to shine. Because, you know, that's the last month of the regular season. But they start showing off in January most years. You just have to pay attention. And uh, I do. And already, uh, March is in the air. It's still really freaking cold here. And it's going to get even colder this weekend. But but March is is very much in the air. And uh, I am I am excited for that prospect because I have said on both this show and um, the other shows I was on at the light. A lot of a lot of callbacks to the light era of the show today. I'm feeling sentimental for a show of year five, really year six. If you count the, if you count this version of the th the show and the 90.9 era of the show to be the same entity. I mean, they use the same logo and uh, several of those episodes are on the same Spotify feed, but you know, some people might not because it was, it was a different format. It was a live format. Uh, I had co-hosts that, uh, we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> that's that is, that is a whole other story and not for a sports podcast. But yeah, um, college basketball already just like on its on its shit. Like college football is officially over. They're starting to show off. It just this week, like even if you ignore the other top ranked teams. Let's just look at the top. Let's just look at the top 10. This week, I mean, January 6th was last Saturday. Okay. Um, so starting, starting on Tuesday, because there were no games Monday night, because obviously why would you put basketball games up against the football national championship? Uh, Houston lost to Iowa State. And this is just the top 10. Uh, Nebraska lost to Purdue by 16. Like that was not a, that was not a close game. And then Mississippi state lost to Tennessee, Kansas lost to UCF and Oklahoma lost to TCU and number 11 Marquette lost at home to Butler. So, you know, five of the top 10, and uh, six of the top 
six of the top 15 have all lost this week. And uh, I think, and at least one more top 10 team is guaranteed to lose again this week because Oklahoma is playing Kansas on Saturday and they're both in the top 10. Uh, that game should be an absolute banger, by the way. That, that game is going to be incredible. It's at Hinkle. So the already higher ranked Kansas, not Hinkle, that's Butler. It's at Fog Allen. So the already higher ranked Kansas is uh, probably going to win. But hey, you never know. Uh, number five, Tennessee on the road to Georgia. That could get interesting. Georgia's not amazing at basketball, but they're they're third in the SEC. They technically have a better record than Tennessee. That will not hold because Tennessee has played some actually good teams. But the two best teams in what is honestly the best conference, because if you look at the AP, if you look at the top 25, uh, the top five is uh, there's only one conference with two teams in the top five, and that is the Big 12. Uh, and they are two and three. Uh, obviously, the Big 10, number one with Purdue, that's going to change because they just lost to Nebraska. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it'll be UConn. If, if UConn doesn't, who are they playing? Are they, they play Georgetown on Sunday. Yeah, they'll be number one come uh, come Monday. They'll they'll be number one come Monday because they are not losing to Georgetown. It's a home game. There's no way. There's no way in hell Connecticut is losing at home to to Georgetown. They're they're not good again yet. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, lost my train of thought. Um. Oh yeah, how many how many Big Twelve teams are ranked? Uh, there's two in the top five. Then Oklahoma's in the top ten, so they have three in the top ten. And then BYU and Texas, they have five. Is anyone else? One, two, three. Big Ten has three. Uh, the Big East has one, two, two. Um, oh, no, three. Forgot about Creighton. Uh, oh, wait. No, the Big 12 has six. I forgot about BYU. <laughs> I forgot BYU. We're technically in the Big 12. Big 12 has six. It's weird that BYU's in the Big 12, but they have... The Big 12 has six. The SEC has one, two, uh, three. Yeah, three. Wait, did I count that right? One, two, three, four. Forgot about Baylor. Five, six. Okay, they they have six. Yeah, I was I was confused there for a second. Um, the ACC has North Carolina and Duke and Clemson, so they have three. Uh, the Pac-12 has Arizona, and that looks like it. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Uh, the American has Florida Atlantic, so good for them. And the Mountain West has uh, San Diego State. And Colorado State. The Mountain West has two. That's that's honestly impressive. Wait, did I, did I seriously not count Baylor? Houston, Kansas. Baylor. 
Oklahoma. BYU, Texas. Okay, yeah, I'm a moron. The Big 12 has seven. Yeah, the Big 12 is the best conference in the country this year. So the all of that rambling and horrible math and counting of the top 25 to say, uh, yeah, the Big 12 is the best conference in the country this year. And what are probably their two best teams who uh, don't really like each other facing off right smack in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday. That's going to be a really good game. Like really good. But yeah, uh, like uh, King Leonidas and John Rothstein said, it's not really March just yet, but it sure as hell feels like it. But uh, just to wrap things up, I want to put this out there because I know a lot of Liberty fans do listen to this show. And uh, if you're students, for the love of God, please use headphones because I don't want you getting in trouble for listening to me when I have no filter. So, yeah, um, to the Liberty fans, the sky is not falling. It is not time to panic. We don't need to have a conversation about Richie McKay. The people who are saying that do not remember the Dale Lair years. And you sweet summer children, we do not, we have not gone back to that. This team is not that bad. They are not even close. Even Layer's best team, which I would say is the 2012-2013 team that made the NCAA tournament on a fluke, on a fluke run in the Big South Conference tournament, uh, lost to North Carolina A&T at the buzzer of the play-in game, and uh, if that game had gone the other way, would have had the honor of getting their faces beat in by the eventual national champion, Louisville Cardinals. So I will consider that Dale Layer's best team for the sake of argument. This team would still beat that team by 30. Like, Tomas Gielo, one of my favorite Liberty players ever. He transferred to Old Miss as a grad student and had a good and had a good season there. Kyle Rode would absolutely lock him down. And all Andrew Smith was good at doing, again, great. I loved watching him. All he was good at doing was cleaning up the messy ass shots his teammates had and dunking them. That was it. That was what he was good at. And I bet some Liberty fans don't even recognize these names. There's a reason why you don't recognize them. Tomas Gielo was the best player on the team by default. He probably wouldn't get all that much playing time with, with this current Richie McKay team. He would be on the bench and he was the team captain by the time he left and went to Ole Miss as a grad transfer, because the transfer portal didn't even exist yet. Yeah. The Liberty fans who are, are too young to remember the Dale Layer years, and I only caught the end of them. 
I, I only had to suffer through a season and a half because I didn't start caring about Liberty athletics until January of 2014 when I got accepted and the team was really, really bad then. And then my freshman year, they were still really, really bad. And then by the time I graduated, they were really, really good. So it's yes, this team has its shortcomings. The fact that they are incredibly undersized and can get bullied around by bigger players is an issue. But they have two big guys that coach decided to redshirt. And that was his decision. Most of us probably don't agree, but hey, he has earned the benefit of the debt. He is the best coach on campus, which like Chadwell, Chadwell is coming dangerously close to taking that title. I mean, I, I have my big three of, of favorite coaches at Liberty that I have, I have mentioned on this show before it's Richie McKay, Jamie Chadwell and Dot Richardson as far as NCAA sports go, because Kirk Handy is a Kirk Handy deserves a title as, as the fourth. But yeah, Richie McKay is the embodiment of what Liberty university should be, what the university strives to be. And he's the best coach we have ever had. So the man has earned the benefit of the doubt of, you know, one bad season since he's been here and it's not even that bad of a season because we've lost close games to the best teams in a new conference. The Jack state loss is a little embarrassing. They should have won that, but well, for one, they, they should have got about a million texts last night because their coach seems to be completely unaware that he is supposed to stand on the freaking bench and not come on the court. And uh, I, I really hate Jack State basketball. Should have won that game, but that is uh, that is another argument entirely. This is this is more about the larger season as a whole. It is not time to hit the panic button yet. It's not time to have a conversation. Like we're not going to find a coach who is as good and represents the university as well as Richie McKay, unless we were able to somehow steal Tony Bennett from UVA. And guess what? If they did that, Richie McKay would still be on the staff. Like they would essentially be co-head coaches. Because Richie McKay and Tony Bennett are like best friends. If we somehow managed to steal Tony Bennett away from Virginia, that wouldn't mean firing Richie McKay. He would just move down a chair and they would both be the head coach. They would be co-head coaches. That is what that situation would be. Like, that's just how it would work. It's completely impossible 
Because why would Tony Bennett leave UVA? But that is that is the only guy who would represent what Liberty is as well as Richie McKay does while also being just as good of a coach. And that's Tony Bennett. Good luck taking him from UVA. Seriously. Good luck. So, yeah, to all the Liberty fans, it's not time to hit the panic button. We're still the highest net and Ken Palm ranked team in the conference. So, and in a mid-major conference like CUSA, in a one-bid league, all that matters is the conference tournament. Make sure you want to have a good conference record going in so you can get a decent seed, but CUSA gets no respect nationally anyway. So, all you have to do is win the conference. And playing like this now, as opposed to in two months, I will take that. Like, get this out of the way now so they can clean it up. And by the time conference tournament comes, they'll be able to compensate for their lack of size and stop living and dying by the freaking three. Which every McKay team has done and has brought them great success. I know we lost Darius McGee. That is a big loss. This year is very much a transitional year because... Like, Kyle Rode and Shiloh Robinson are still around. They have not passed the torch to the younger guys yet. And I'm glad they're around for one more year to pass the torch to the younger guys. But, yeah, that's all I got for, uh, that's all I got for college basketball and the show this week. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Hope you all had a good Christmas and New Year. And, uh... Yeah, here's to uh, year five slash six, depending on when you want to start counting. But uh, with that, see you guys next time. Peace.